Acts 11 and verse 19. Now those who had been scattered as a result of the persecution that started because of Stephen made their way as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of them, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, who came to Antioch and began speaking to the Greeks, also proclaiming the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a large number who believed turned to the Lord. News about them reached the church in Jerusalem, and they sent out Barnabas to travel as far as Antioch. When he arrived and saw the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged all of them to remain true to the Lord with devoted hearts. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and large numbers of people were added to the Lord. Then he went to Tarsus to search for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year they met with the church and taught large numbers. The disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we ask you that you incline our ear today to what you would say to us. Open our eyes to the wonders of your word. You unite our hearts in your presence and satisfy our souls as only you can. I thank you that what we hold in our hands, when we hold your word, God, is truth that we can touch. It's alive and it's for us to build us up, encourage us and edify us in our faith as we follow you. And I thank you that we'll get every bit off the plate this morning. Holy Spirit. Translate to each heart as we have need, as only you are able. And I thank you that you don't ever leave me in your uh, space here without a word to preach and a zeal to preach it with. And I love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So as we continue on, you know, we, we, we kind of go in a rhythm here uh, where we'll be in a book of the Bible, verse by verse. Um, preaching through that, that's coming. That's coming back here in just a few weeks. I hadn't told you which one yet. Uh, you got to hang around for that. But we also will go to something that's a little bit topical as the Lord leads. And man, he has just put the church on my heart uh, and that we would see the value of it, uh, not just what it is, but how valuable it is in our life. It, it has been heavy uh, on my heart. And, and so because of that, some of this is made great on you a little bit. Uh, you're probably used to that if you've been around here a little bit. Uh, my goal when I get up here is not to just give you something that's going to tickle your ear and make you feel good when you leave, but something that's going to be good for you. Amen. Because we don't have time. I was thinking about that this morning. I was going around the building. I'm turning on air conditioners and, and it just welled up in my heart. I, I will have one less Sunday to preach after today. There will be one less marble out of the jar after today. And I look at that go down and down and I thought, well, Lord, I, this will be one less that I have. I do not have time to play. I do not have time when, when it's something that he has told me that he wants you to hear. I've got to bring it to you and lay it before and just know that he, he gets at me first. He gets at me first. And again, we talk about some of these things and you may think, well, somebody done made Stephen mad. Somebody done said something. No, everything's going great. And I want it to keep going great. Amen. But that's what's on my heart. He's burdened my heart to challenge you, comfort you, and help you grow in this. And one of the things that I want to make sure I do as we're in this series is commend to you the church. Commend the church to you and her value. 
We talked about in Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians 12 and 27, where he said, Now you are the body of Christ and individual members in it. We're still individuals, but he's made us a part of something bigger than ourselves. We haven't lost our uniqueness or what made us us, but we've been joined together in our diversity. He's joined us together in a unity that is beautiful and it's used for his glory and the good of ourselves and those around us. And we've been asking this question for the last few weeks. I've been asking you this question. What is it that comes to your mind when you think about the church? We know that the most important thing about us is what comes to mind when we think about God, right? Because that tells me how I'm interacting with him, how I'm receiving him, how I understand him. That's the most important thing about me is what comes to my mind when I think about him. But what comes to my mind when I think about the church is important for how I interact with her, how I interact with the body of Christ. And what I've tried to encourage you to do is to consider when you think about the church, think about a table and not a restaurant table, but a family table, a table of fellowship that you gather around and that good things happen at. Because when you're talking about the table of fellowship, when you're talking about the church, good things can happen at the table. We talked last week. Think about all the stories in the Gospels. How many tables did Jesus sit down at and minister? How many dinners? What what did they say about him? He eats with tax collectors and sinners. That's what they said about him the most. That tells me he was doing it a lot. He's sitting down at the table. And we talked about some of the blessings of the table last week. I told you I had three points last week. I only had time for two. This is the third point going to be this week. Number one, we are welcome. The table welcomes us. We have a place that is graced to us as a member of the family. We are welcome at the table. We have a place. And then also that's where we're conveyed our identity. Your identity is not discovered. You don't get it by looking down into your belly button and trying to figure out who you are. Your identity is conveyed to you by someone higher than you and then you receive it. And you have to pay close attention to that because you might have received the wrong one from the wrong place. But that's what happens at the table. It's what happens at the family table. This is who we are. This is who our family is. This is what we do. This is not what we do. This is what we need. You you see what I'm saying? You, You gain your identity at the table. And we saw those things happen in Antioch. We saw that the church began to grow in Antioch as the gospel of Jesus is preached. Many believed and turned to the Lord and so much so that the news made it back to Jerusalem and they sent Barnabas. They sent the son of encouragement to go see what was going on. And it said when he got there, he saw the grace of God. He saw the grace of God and he encouraged them, all of them, to remain true to the Lord with devoted hearts. What's he saying? Don't back up. Don't stop. Continue in what it is that you're doing because there's great benefit here. How did he know that? He said he was full of faith in the Holy Spirit. He'd been walking with the church in Jerusalem for a few years at that point. And he's coming along to encourage these that had just taken up this life of faith. And then in verse 25, it says, then he went to Tarsus to search for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. And for a whole year, they met with the church and taught large numbers. And the disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. 
So you see, he came and saw the grace of God. He encouraged them to remain true to the Lord with devoted hearts, but he wasn't done. He saw something else that needed to be needed to be activated in the church at Antioch. And he says he goes to Tarsus to search out Saul, Paul, right? Some, see, some think his name got changed when God saved him. It's just a different translations of his name, right? We talked about that. Still calls him Saul right here, even though he's been following Jesus for a while now too. He goes and gets Saul, Paul. Why? To bring him back to Antioch. Why? To meet with the church and help to teach them. To meet with the church and help to teach them. Now hold on. They had heard the good news. They had believed in the Lord Jesus. They had turned to him and believed they were following the Lord. And Barnabas saw the grace of God in their meetings, in their gatherings. And that means it was beautiful what he saw. And they still needed teaching. They still needed equipping. That's the word the scripture uses. They still needed to be trained. Think about it when you think about that household table, that table of fellowship there at home. When a new baby is born into the family, we bring them right in, right? They're a part of the family. They have a place at the table. They have an identity in the family. But when a baby's born, that's not all that there is. What are they doing from that day forward? They're growing up. They're getting bigger, hopefully smarter. Right? They're, they're getting taught and they're getting trained. It's a miracle of God, grace of God when a baby's born. But when a baby's born, that's not all that there is. That's step one. That's the beginning of something. And the charge and the desire of the church should be to make sure that all those who come, all those who are a part of the body, all of those who have gathered together in his name are taught and trained and equipped, just like that baby. We're going to equip equip that baby today for what they're going to need tomorrow. And that's another beauty, a beautiful function of the church and of the body of Christ. Again, why, why did Barnabas go to hunt for Saul? To help teach and train a young church to be a mature church. To teach and train young Christians, new believers, to be mature believers and to lead them in growing into the fullness of their new life in Christ. I love the way that Saul, Paul, put it when he wrote to Timothy. In 1 Timothy Chapter 4 and verse 7. Starting verse 7 to get the tail in there. He said, Have nothing to do with pointless and silly myths. Rather, train yourself in godliness. For training of the body, exercise, has limited benefit. But godliness is beneficial in every way since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. He said, train yourself unto godliness or discipline yourself toward godliness. Be moving that direction. Then look, if you're there with me, look at verse 10. If you're not, I didn't tell you to turn there. That's fine. I'll read it. Verse 10. For this reason, we labor and strive because we have put our hope in the living God who is the savior of all people, especially of those who believe. 
For this reason, we labor and strive. What reason? We put our hope in him. What are we laboring and striving towards? Disciplining and training ourselves and others towards godliness. Disciplining and training ourselves. That's why I knew it was going to grade on you. Discipline and training. We don't like to hear that. Right? It's like, mm, that sounds like exercise. I don't like exercise. Paul knew something here that they needed to be reminded of and that we need to be reminded of. What he knew is that we are training for something. Regardless of what you're doing, you are training for something. The question and the little self-evaluation part of today is what is it that I'm training for? What is it that I'm training for? What, we, we talked about this at the beginning of the year. What's my aim? What am I setting my sight on? What am I aiming towards? What am I training for? Because I'm training for something. What is it? And who is it that I'm training with? We're laboring and striving for something. What is it? What is it? And is it good and right? And godly, is it the best for us? We're training for something. What is it that we're training for? And this is another beautiful function of the table of fellowship of the body of Christ. It trains us and leads us to expend our energy and direct our attention to the things of God. Why? So that we can walk with him more closely. We can know his love more deeply and we can work for his kingdom more effectively. That is what we are training towards. So again, that question, you're training for something and you take this one with you. You ask yourself, what, it, what is it that I'm training for? Where is it that I'm trying to get? What is it that I've set my sights on? What is it that I'm training for? And then you can ask yourself, is that the right one. Is that what I need to be training on? The best advice that I can give to anyone after they have, you know, cried Jesus, repented, believed, turned from their old life to the new life in him is to find a, a church that is faithful to God, to his word and to the training of the body and then to be faithful to that church. To be faithful to that church. Kelly and I were talking over dinner one night that, that I don't know that there's a bigger grace. It, there's not in my life than after Jesus than his body. It's Christ then his body because I've seen how well it goes. And then I've seen when the, when the folks turn from it and go another way, I've seen how bad it gets. There's not a bigger grace in my life after Jesus than his body, than the church. And so my advice to people is always keep coming back to that table. Be faithful to the church as long as they are faithful to him, his word, and the training of the body. Did you know that you didn't always know what you know right now? Did you know that? You didn't always know what you know right now. So how did you come about knowing what it is that you know now? You learned it. You were taught it. You were trained in it. Now there is a, a big problem 
and it's a temptation in our modern age. Because right now, we have more information available to us than at any time before in human history, probably short of the garden. We've got more information available to us. If you need to know something, you can pull it right up. If you need to see how to do something, there's five different videos on YouTube that show you how to do anything you want to know how to do. We have access to more knowledge than you can imagine. Now, let me ask you, has the quality of what we experience gone up in the same level that our uh, available information has gone up? Does that make sense? Information has gone way up here. Why is quality going down? You've got more information than has ever been available to people and quality of life is going down. Why is that? Information is only part of the equation. Information is only part of it. That's why you can't forsake this and just sit at home and watch a live stream of the best of the best preacher, teacher, pastor, scholar, and call that church. Because you're getting information. That's good. Hey, praise the Lord. They're awesome. I love to watch them too. You're getting information, but information is only part of the equation. And as I was thinking on this, it's like, Lord, how do I explain that? What's the best way I can word that? And then what I heard in my spirit is when you're doing that, which is good to do. You can do that. That's not bad. When you're doing that, you can see them, but they cannot see you. You can see them. They cannot see you. And because of that, they cannot know you. I remember one Sunday morning, not that long ago. It's probably been two or three years ago now. We had started singing and uh, I had gone around, I think, to close that door and probably check back in the back, just make sure everything was clear before I settled in. And as I'm coming back, a young lady had come out of here through that big door and gone over to the bar. And I could tell just even from the back of her head, something wrong. Looked like she was crying. And when I got up there to her, I kind of came around. I was like, hey, are you? And, and she turned and she was just boohooing. I'm talking about sobbing. I'm talking about ugly crying. And I said, she started to say something. I said, just a minute. Let me go get Kelly. (laughs) Let me go get Kelly. She's right over here. I go get her. She gets like two or three other ladies and they are just, what are they doing? They're helping. Now, if she's watching that service at home, if she's by herself and she's just watching XYZ church and ABC pastor at home, she can see them. They cannot see her. And there would have been no answer for what was going on right then, would there? And instead, she was able, at a low for her. She was low that day, and she wasn't low when she left. She wasn't low when she left. It's like when I remember sitting in here on a Wednesday night, and there was a lady sitting in the back. And when it came time at the end, what I always say is, anything we need to be praying about? And she spoke up, and she said, talked about, I've been having a really hard time. Like really hard. And I've been dealing with thoughts of suicide. And she started naming off these other things. And she wasn't yet done talking before there were ladies getting up to move to where she was. That were ready to bring help and comfort to the situation. And what I'm telling you is you can see something but not be seen. And we need to be seen. 
because there was help that was able to be brought and a, and a process started that ended in victory and not defeat. When we've had men's night before, ladies connects, it's not uncommon for somebody to come back after as it started to die down or even in the middle of it just go, y'all need to pray for me. Because I, I came here and I'm, I'm, I can't mess around. I, I'm, I can't play around. I just got to tell y'all the truth. I'm having a hard time right now. And again, what does the church do? The church doesn't just go, I hope they don't come back next time. No, it's like, how can I help? Because that's what we're here for. That's what we're here to do. And all of those people, all of them were believers. All of them were believers. What did they need? They needed the body to come during a time when they were hurt and injured and bring healing from him through the body to them. They had information. We can have the information, but what we need is also the relationship. We need to be known. Because when we're not known, we're alone. When you have that information without the relation, it's only part of the equation. When you have your knowing, because we can know a lot of stuff. When you have your knowing, but you're not known, it's a lonely place to be. And it's not enough to sustain you and hold you up. Again, the question, what, what is it that we're training for? What is it that I am training for and who am I training with? Listen, I wish it could just be a download. I wish it could be like the Matrix and I could put a little SD card in your arm and just go, now you know about righteousness. Now you know how to be a disciple of Christ. Now you know how to act at work, not act a fool, but act wise. It's just all downloaded in you. Now go on. Go on and go do it. I wish it was like that. It would be easier, wouldn't it? But what, any, what is something that's worth having that was easy to get? What is something that's worth having that was easy to get? There's not a download to be a better Christian, to be a better friend, to be a better husband or better wife, a better parent, a better employee, a better man, a better woman. We, we want all those things and rightfully so. And he has delegated that to the church, the body of Christ, to train up each generation. That's how we got to where we are. That's how we get from here to the next day, the next year, the next generation. What is it that we are training for? Barnabas went and got Saul, brought him to Antioch. He said he taught for a year, met with them regularly and taught them for a year. In large numbers. What did he teach them? He didn't say right there, did it? He didn't say what he taught them. I tell you what though, he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, so I think we got enough data to guess what he, what he taught them. Right? What was it that he was teaching them? I'm sure it was the same things he taught in his letters. Because what was he doing there? He was reinforcing and expounding on things he had already taught in person. He's reinforcing and bringing it back in front of him. What were some of those things? 
Jesus is the Messiah. You're saved by grace alone, through faith alone. You have been united with Christ. You're now a part of the body. And then also, here's how you apply that gospel, that freedom that you have found, that new power to salvation that you have found in every area of your life, in the relationships in your life, in your work, in the church, and how you relate to the world. Training them unto godliness, just like he talked to Timothy about. He said he did it for a year, met with them regularly. We can read, we, you know, we went through the book of Acts, right? We went through it verse by verse, and we saw when Paul was leaving uh, the, all of his friends, he's going back to Jerusalem, and they, he knew he wasn't coming back. And that they were crying, he was crying because they knew they weren't going to see him again. It wasn't just because our avenue of information is disappearing. This had developed into a deep and meaningful relationship. It was more than information. Information is a part of it, but it's information and relationship together that make a beautiful, beautiful thing. Young men can look to the older men Young women can look to the older women. Young couples can look to the older couples. Young parents can look to the older parents. And there's a training unto godliness. Again, what is it that we're training for? We're working towards something. We're training towards something. We're putting a focus on something. What is it? When we realize that our development... Our training, because we can let it go like, I feel like I'm far enough. I'm about tired. I feel like I've done, I feel like I've learned enough. Well, your development, your training unto godliness isn't just for you. It's not just for you. It's not just so you can get old and retire and sit down and be happy, right? It's so you can then help the ones that are behind you. And it doesn't mean you have to teach a class. It doesn't mean you have to build a curriculum. It doesn't mean that it means you build relationships with the people that you are seeing on a regular basis so that when they need help and advice and they think the world is crashing in, you can tell them, honey, it's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. I've been through that. I've been through it about 10 times. Let me tell you what the Lord did. Let me tell you how you don't mess up like I did. Let me tell you how to walk through it like this, how I learned about on that ninth or 10th time. Let me share that one with you. Your development is not just for you. It helps you, but it helps others, and it helps others more than it helps you because of that multiplication. This is a function of the table of fellowship. Good things can happen at the table of fellowship. When I sit and listen to all the testimonies, that's one of the great things about overcomers. You get to hear uh, testimonies of how people have come out of darkness and into light. How many of them start off with, my daddy was an alcoholic and my mama was a drug addict and they were both absent and they were both terrible and they weren't good parents and I didn't have a good family structure. And the Lord saved them out of that. But all I keep thinking is if we can get mama and we can get daddy to follow Jesus... 
and be trained unto godliness and leave aside that foolishness and leave that past in the past, then how much are those kids not going to have to go through? How much are they not going to have to step over when it comes time to believe in Jesus, when it comes time to believe that there is a good and a right father in heaven, when their only experience of parents is bad and garbage? How much can we do if we can get mama and daddy and say, follow Jesus? Follow Jesus in front of these kids. Get them into the house of God so that they can be taught and trained. They can still, but again, nine out of ten, at least nine out of ten of them, when you hear it, mom and daddy were both doing what they shouldn't have been doing. One out of ten, they'll go, you know, my daddy was a pastor and my mama played the piano and I still twisted off and went and did wild stuff. You're going to hear that. People make their own decisions. But man, we can make a big difference. We can make a There's fewer that we got to go way, way, way out there and get when we can develop the ones that are right here in front of us. We need to do both. Those kids, when they grow up, what are they trained to do? What they saw mom and daddy doing. They don't know anything else. They don't know anything else. It'd be like telling somebody, bark like a dog, and they've never seen one before. They don't know what you're talking about. They don't know what goodness is. They don't know what righteousness is. And they'll, they'll tell you that. They'll say, I just thought that was the way life was. I thought that was all that there was. I thought that was all that I could hope for. I thought that was all that I could be. Because that's all that they saw. God has delegated to the church to be the ones that are seen. To be the trainers that are training. To be the teachers that are teaching. To be the friends that are friendly. To be the family that comes to the table and helps. We need to be faithful to the table. I'm almost done. And there's always an objection. And I understand the objection. The objection is, well, churches hurt people too. I got hurt in church. I got hurt real bad in church. Churches hurt people. Churches can hurt people. When they get their eyes off of Him, when they get their eyes off of the Word and the love for one another, and it becomes about self, churches can hurt people. Let me tell you something else. Chicken restaurants can be really bad. There's one in town I won't go to. Y'all know which one it is. <laughs> I won't go there. There did. I've sworn them off. But I don't then drive out of town and see a good chicken restaurant and go, I don't eat chicken anymore. Just because they weren't doing it right. Just because they weren't doing what they were supposed to be doing. Just because they treated people poorly. I don't swear off a chicken. It's that way with the church. We've all been hurt. We've all dealt with things. You see things all the time. You're just like, God, that's, that's a mess. That was a whole big mess. And what I hear the Spirit is saying, what, what are you training for here so that that happens less? Because if you do nothing, that thing that you dislike, guess what it's going to do? Happen more. It's going to happen to more people. It's going to happen more times. What are we training 
before. In those situations, what, what happened? They were trained wrong. They weren't trained rightly, and so they did wrongly. So what's the answer? Train yourself unto godliness. Love those that the Lord has given you to walk with and have given themselves to walk with you and train them as best as you can so that that doesn't happen. He has delegated this to the church to show people what grace really looks like, to show people what love really is, what life in Christ really looks like, what freedom feels like. That's what he has given us to demonstrate to people, and we've got to be trained unto it. We've got to be trained unto it, and it's long-term. It's not a download. It's a day-by-day, diligent in the ordinary following Him. That is what changes the world. One heart, one life at a time. That last verse down there, we'll close with this because I've gone long enough. The disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. The disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. And some say they, was, they were making fun of them. Y'all are just a bunch of little Jesuses walking around. That does not sound like an insult to me. What it sounds to me like is that they were different enough in the culture that they were in that they stood out. They stood out in a good way. They stood out in a good way. When Barnabas arrived, he saw the grace of God. People have been turning to the Lord Jesus. And he said, the way to make sure that this carries on, not just right now, not that this just isn't a flash in the pan uh, renewal, but that this is a lifestyle. It is to develop godliness in the body. He went and got Saul and they said, we're just going to teach for a year. We've been walking with Jesus for a few years now. We've learned a lot. Come and learn from us and you're going to take this. And you see that church turned into a missionary hub that then reached around the world. Reached around the world. Everyday people, everyday life, training themselves unto godliness. It's a beautiful function of the table of fellowship. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the church. We thank you for those that came before us to help teach us and train us. Lord, even if they just gave us apple juice and graham crackers in the nursery, we benefited from it. And we knew that there were people in the church who cared about us, who wanted good for us. Even if if all we knew was they wanted us to be fed, we knew that. Because we weren't finding that anywhere else. I thank you for your church. I thank you for the body. I thank you that you've placed us in it. And I thank you, Lord, that there's not any charge that you've given to her that you haven't funded with your grace and your strength. You've given us the ability to do everything that you've called us to do. You've given us the desire and the strength. Lord, help us be consistent. As we we review ourselves, Lord, what is it that we're training for? What is it that I'm building towards? And, and, And when I play that all the way out to its logical end, am I closer to you or am I further away? And what have I done to help others? 
I thank you that you challenge us, but you do so graciously and lovingly, telling us, hey, come on. We've got so much more to do. So many people have a bad view of chicken. We need to show them what it's really like. We need to show them what life is really like with you. When you are Lord, when you are the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords, what life is really like. Father, I thank you as we have these times of introspection that it won't stay there, but you'll, you, you'll convert it to action on each one of our parts so that we will be faithful to what it is that you have given us to and that we will train ourselves unto godliness because physical exercise has some benefit, but training unto godliness has a benefit in this life and in the next. And it's for this reason that we labor and we strive because we ride with you. Lord, as we get ready to go today, I thank you that we leave in peace and unity together with each other. Lord, everything that we've got purposed in our hearts for this week, let it be as you will. That your kingdom would come and your will be done in us, through us, and around us. I thank you, Lord, that we won't worry about anything, but we'll pray about everything. And we'll thank you for, you, we'll thank you for what you've already done. And then the peace that passes all understanding from Christ will guard our hearts and our minds in him. Lord, I pray for those that are out from us today that are sick. Lord, heal them, strengthen them, build them up, and return them to us. Those that are traveling, bring them home safely. Give them grace and mercy as they go. Put the right people in their path at the right time. And Lord, any that are working today, that they do so to your glory. Lord, give them strength so that they would be known as one who does things the right way. And I thank you for our men's meeting tonight. I thank you that you'll make sure that everyone who needs to be there will be there. And Lord, you build us up and encourage us together in our faith so that we can accomplish more together than we ever could alone. We love you and we thank you so much for how good you are to us. I thank you for the welcome to your table, the identity that's been conveyed and, and the path you put us on of righteousness to grow us and give us strength so that we'll be closer to you. We'll know your love more deeply. And we'll be able to work so much more effectively for your kingdom with the strength that you provided. We love you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.